Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 80, and uh, today's blog is uh, about the Women's March that I went to. It already feels like it was 25 years ago, but it was not actually that long ago that the Women's March was. Um, So that's time in 2018. Um, (laughs) uh, So I'm going to read that to you in just a moment. Um, Meanwhile, I will tell you that the uh, both two, two of the four albums are are out um, on Reverb Nation. You can find both of them. Um, If you look my name up, Emily Rainbow Davis you will see there it is. They, there they both are. Um, so you, as the podcast listeners, are the second group of people to know about the second album. Uh, the first were the Patreon patrons. And some of you are the same people. Some of you are both Patreon patrons and podcast listeners. So you, you get to know twice <laughs> the same bit of information. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I am waiting to kind of put the word out about that until I figure out my little scheme here for being like a little Cupid for people because the next album that's out is an album of love songs. So I'm trying to figure out how to, um, how to, how to be helpful on Valentine's day. (laughs) So yeah, I'm, so I'm figuring that out and I'm also waiting for, for it all to upload itself to Spotify. So Reverb Nation sends out albums to various Mm, outlets, digital outlets. Um, so once that's up, then I will reveal to the others. But you all are special, so you get the news first. Mm-hmm. Or second. <laughs> um, so today's blog is called View from the Women's March, NYC 2018. And I will give you three guesses as to what it is about. I think you'll get it on the first one. It's one of those titles that is actually uh, pretty pretty clear cut about what 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 you're gonna get. So here it is: View from the Women's March, NYC, 2018. The woman at the table next to us at dinner said she checked out the Women's March that afternoon after her spin class, but it wasn't as much fun as last year, so she left. Aside from finding this whole way of thinking completely counter to the purpose of the march, I also found it baffling. Why on earth would she think a march was going to be fun? I did not want to go to the women's march. I did not think it would be fun. I don't like crowds. I don't like shouting. I don't like waiting in large groups of people. But I went anyway because I knew I'd want to have been there. I knew my future self would be glad I'd gone, and I knew I'd feel better for having added my voice and my moving feet to the movement. I knew it would feel good to have done something, but that did not mean I wanted to do it. And it did feel good to do something, and it was maybe even a little bit fun at times. More than fun, though, I found the experience to be moving and surprising in several different ways. First, it was surprisingly cathartic to walk by the Trump Hotel giving it the finger, singing, Ole, 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 fuck Trump, fuck Trump. 
and chanting, New York hates you. New York hates you. I mean, it felt good to give directed voice to the fury I've been feeling for so long with so many other women. But that was a relatively brief moment of catharsis, repeated when we passed the next Trump pop property. However, most moving to me was the way I saw the crowd around me take care of one another. For a crowd-averse person like myself, this is no small matter. It struck me that a woman's march is full of people who have been socialized to look after one another. And so it was an unusually conscientious way to be in a large group. When problems arose, they were quickly solved. For example, a woman behind us was looking a bit frantic and apologized for moving a little too, too quickly through the crowd. She'd lost her son. She described him, and we all looked around. She called his name, and within seconds, every woman around her had added her voice to the call. We all shouted for Ziggy together. And before too long, the lost boy was found. Over on 6th Avenue, a woman in a pink coat was hurrying alongside the edge of the route and tripped over the leg of one of the metal gate blockades. Within seconds, every woman around her had stopped to make sure she was okay. She was fine and hurried along ahead, but we laughed at how immediate the response had been. It was like a flock of sign-carrying concerned birds had suddenly surrounded her. All over the march, children were welcomed and given pride of place. The photos of the march on the event's Facebook page are dominated by adorable children with their homemade signs. It made me wonder what a world run by women might actually be like. Would there be more places for children to be a part of the lives of their parents? Wouldn't the participation of parents and their children in our most important affairs make for a more compassionate and considerate world? Boys with their mothers, girls with their fathers, whole families marching together all made me feel hopeful about the future for the first time in a year. We had a sweet moment with two little girls and their fathers. The girls were very interested in our percussion instruments and wanted to know why we had them, what they were for, how they worked. We let them play them, and they discovered this hilarious move where one of them would hold the rattle in one hand and the shaker in the other and jump in the air to create a flurry of sound as she descended. Then the jumper would hand them to her friend, and then the friend would jump, and then she would hand them to us, and we would jump, and finally to the shy boy holding on to his dad, so shy we hadn't even noticed him, encouraging him to play too. That part was fun. Watching two bold, curious, caring girls explore a new thing and share it with everyone nearby was absolutely fun, but also inspiring. Because if we don't blow up the world before they get there, it will be girls like those who might one day rule the world. They will be inclusive, compassionate, caring leaders who look out not just for themselves, but for the vulnerable, for the marginalized, the mothers, the fathers, the other children, and they will express gratitude to those that shared with them. I marched so that that future stands a chance of coming to be. And what about that woman fresh from her spin class who didn't find the march fun enough to join? Did we need her there? You know, as much as I'd like to say no and never have to march alongside such a person, I think we probably need everyone right now. 
we'll none of us agree on absolutely every issue or every methodology or how much fun it is or isn't to go be heard on the street. But if we cultivate a kind, caring, compassionate future, we can make space for even the people we find distasteful. We can call for their children if they get lost. We can help them up if they fall. And if it's fun while we do that, that's nice too. Well, everyone, I really hope that we don't have to do another Women's March in 2019. <laughs> but, but if we do, I'll be there. And, uh, and you should be too. Come along with me. We'll all, we'll all make ourselves go there together. <laughs> I, I hope, though, that we won't need one, that things may have improved by next year. I, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm optimistic. Let's be optimistic. Let's try to be optimistic. Next year, we won't need a women's march. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, Maybe because we'll be dead. No, no, that's not what we meant. We meant that everything's going to work itself out and we won't actually need to march next year. (laughs) Because all the ladies who are running for office are going to get in and uh, and it's just, it's all going to get, it's all going to be better after November. So if you're not registered to vote, get on that. And um, I don't know, guys, I don't know. Um, so yeah, so that's the Women's March. Um, I don't have a podcast to recommend to you because I would really love to hear a podcast that actually covered the Women's March or, or maybe even a radio show or something. It got so little coverage. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's not so weird because, um, you know, the news cycle is insane. Uh, but yeah, apparently it was the biggest national march, like bigger than last year nationally. It wasn't as international. But what was weird is there was a lot of coverage from last year that a lot of people thought was this year. So I saw a lot of people posting stuff about, you know, how this was the biggest march ever, um, and it was last year's coverage. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, there was surprisingly little um, acknowledgement, discussion. So... If you have a podcast to recommend to me about the Women's March this year, I would very much like to hear it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, we're doing a reverse today. Uh, instead of me recommending a podcast to you, you can recommend one to me. And, um, yeah. So, today's song may be a little bit on the nose. <laughs> um, I apologize if things that are on the nose um, are not your thing. If, if, if they're not, do you just stop it right here? Because this song is on the nose. Um, this is uh, Bread and Roses. So this song has a really interesting history. Um, the first kind of use of the phrase is in 1911 from a speech. Um, and then it was closely associated with a textile strike in Massachusetts in 1912, which is referred to as the Bread and Roses Strike which I found very interesting. Um, And then there have, so there was a poem that appeared after that, and then people have um, set that poem to music in various and sundry ways. Uh, This version um, is the one from 1974, 
Um, and it is the one that Judy Collins sang, that it's how I know it. Um, also Joan Baez. Um, so yeah, so this, that's this version. There are many versions apparently, which I did not know. It was very interesting. Um, and I made a tiny, maybe two, two tiny lyric adjustments, <laughs> changes. What the heck? I mean, the poem is from the beginning of the 1900s. So, um, in one case, uh, it, it's just there's a there's a line about the rising of the women is the means the rising of the race, which I hope means the human race. But I it, it, it's very possible that it could be read as a kind of a white supremacist idea, and because of that, you know, the song is mostly sung by white women. I just feel like I I can't sing it that way <laughs> so I changed that line to uh uh means the rising human race just so that's crystal clear we're not aiming at a white supremacist <laughs> version of a labor movement that is pretty shitty um and I unfortunately think that often happens with white women so um we're gonna go with uh the rising of the women means a rising human race there um so, and then the other change I made kind of by accident, just because I um, always thought that the line was our lives will not be fettered, um, and it is in fact sweated, uh, but I just stuck with fettered because I like it better. So that change is not quite so high-minded. <laughs> it's, it's just, um, <clears throat> yeah. Hopefully uh, the lyricist from 1911 is going to forgive me for making some changes. Um, and so here it is, Bread and Roses. As we go marching, marching In the beauty of the day A million darkened kitchens A thousand mill lots gray Are touched with all the radiance that a sudden sun discloses For the people hear us singing Bread and roses, bread and roses As we go marching, marching We battle to for men For they are women's children And we mother them again Our lives shall not be fettered From birth until life closes Hearts starve as well as bodies Give us bread but give us roses as we go marching, marching, unnumbered women dead Go rising through our singing, their ancient call for bread Small art and love and beauty, their drudging spirits knew Yes, it is bread we fight for, but we fight for roses, too. As we go marching, marching, 
We bring a greater day For the rising of the women Means our rising human race No more the drudge and idler Tend the toil where one reposes But the sharing of life's glories Bread and roses, bread and roses Hearts starve as well as bodies Give us bread and give